You're listening to the Profane Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Whitehodge, coming right at you this week. Y'all, we've got a lot to cover. I'm about to go in. Come on. He said, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations. I think she's a liar and I think she deserves mockery. It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. Black lives are very important. White lives are very important. And to me, all lives are very important. Very, very important. Damn! This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel Whitehodge. Hey, hey, podcasters, profane faithers out there in podcast land. It's your boy, Dan Whitehodge, coming back at you another week. And oh my goodness, there is... Oh, man, there's a lot to cover this week, y'all. Um, I actually had another guest um, set up, and uh, I will run her next week. But I just felt with all the stuff happening, again, if you're listening to this in real time, you may be listening to this years from now. <laughs> you may be listening to this, you know, um, you know, months or whatever now. But at least at this point in time, here in, on March 15th, 16th, 2019 there is a lot going on this past week with the uh, shooting of a mosque the uh, college admissions scandal um the ongoing uh, floods with uh, climate change I mean, there was a lot i mean just the the killing uh in uh in new christ out there in new zealand um i believe that's the city's name um i'll get it right here in a second if it isn't but um between that shooting and the college admission scandal i just felt i usually don't do this and you know this is a, this is a show that you know that really we, you you know we have the the space here to interview folks and that's that's what i've been doing but i just felt like man i gotta rant y'all <laughs> i gotta rant so if this is not your thing um i get it um but i just had to say something as somebody who studies the stuff in uh in the media um in communication theory there's a lot going on i just wanted to kind of highlight a few things so um yeah that's 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 this week or maybe you're listening to this and you just kind of wanted to find you know get a little bit more about what i thought um on these things um so yeah that's 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 this week i'm going to try to break this down into three parts um the first part i want to read actually a really good letter that a uh, a listener sent in uh the second part i definitely want to get to the college admission scandal uh and then the last part uh, i'll spend some time talking about uh the shooting of the mo- at the mosque and throughout that i'll talk about just some of the climate change issues that are happening that have been coming out um and you know affecting us we think about these floods um minnesota or minneapolis in particular has seen you know the most snow ever that they've ever seen so you know there's some things and i got to keep telling people man this is the beginning of climate change and wowdy wow wowzers right (laughs) oh man so um so yeah so that's the breakdown um and you know if you know if you're you were hoping for a guest next week next week and then there's plenty 
plenty of back issues uh, that you can catch up on. Uh, although, if you listen to every listen to this every week, and I'm finding more and more people listen to this every week on a regular basis, have been around since episode zero zero. Thank you very much. And um, but if you haven't. Uh, there's plenty more to see and uh, well, plenty more to hear. <laughs> You'll see is my loco, but uh, plenty more to hear. And um, we're on Spotify. Yes. So if you haven't gone already, go over there, follow, listen to a few tracks on there. Um, just another platform, another medium, Spotify, Profane Faith. Check it out. Um, and there is another podcast that I personally have been working on just under the umbrella of White Hodge Podcasts, and that's called Roommates of Rage. Uh, two women of color in there just talking about um, some great stuff, really great things. And so uh, I believe right now they're on SoundCloud, but you can look it up, Women uh, of, of Rage. I will put the link in the show notes, as always. Check out the show notes, whitehodgepodcast.com. All right, let me kick this thing off. Um, there, well, okay. So this last week, if you don't know, my father-in-law, uh, he has, and I'm not sharing any business that hasn't already been put out there in public for those of you like, he's going to say it's about family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this week, this last week, uh, we went up, uh, because we thought he was, uh, pretty much going to die. And we were like, all right, well, let's go up. This last week was my spring break. It, you know, it could be better timing. Um, so let's go see him. Let's pay our respects and go up. He has Alzheimer's and um, Parkinson's. Um, and that's not the thing. I mean, he, we knew this day was coming and, you know, it's rough. It's, it's, it's a horrible disease. Um, I don't wish it upon anybody. But uh, we knew this was, like I said, we knew this was coming. And we knew this day was around. The, the, the thing that got me was, I think going back and hearing folks talk christianese evangelical talk that's what got me i mean because death here's the thing death brings out a lot of different shit (laughs) it does you know what i'm saying it brings out all kinds of mess and i know that from having experienced this uh you know internally i remember when uh my grandmother Dee, uh who's in texas um and if you don't know any of these characters, you can go back to uh, episode zero, zero, hint, hint. Um, but, or episode one, excuse me, episode one. There we go. Get get it, get it right, Dan. Get it right. Episode one, I tell my story and you can get to know who Dee Dee is. But, um, you know, she, I remember when her mom passed and, you know, there was a, there was beef over the wedding dress that her mom had given her and then other people was stripping off that. And so it was like this beef for years, years, right? And I'm sure you guys got your stories as well. Y'all have your stories in regards to, you know, when, when death happens. And so, you know, people, it's, it's just interesting just how people don't want to come right oh i don't want to see that person like that i don't want to see you know him in in downtrodden like that uh which i'm like okay yeah um you can still pay your respects have you not done your own work enough to actually come and it's usually a lot of men which i find fascinating right i mean this whole generation of particularly generation of men particularly those born prior to gen x gen x we have our issues too but particularly those young those those men not young men but men born prior to the 1970s there was just this whole veil right that just you know manliness i mean and then when it does come to issues that you don't understand it's like i'm just going to avoid it altogether. um so there's that and then there's just again people just talking christianese which is just funny we gotta share the gospel or we gotta you know go out and evangelize and we gotta go out and i mean 
all those things. And here's the thing I'm actually working through right now. Like what, what does the great commission look like? Uh, in the in in 21st century 2019, when you're dealing with a Trump-infused era, and that covers not just evangelicalism, but also how we look at politics, how we look at white nationalism, how we look at um, how people you know organize themselves, all of those things are affected. And so then, when you have this notion of we got to go and share our faith, what does that look like? Especially when you think about LGBTQ inclusivity, right? Are we going to just share our faith and that's, you know, that, you know, and, and, and I mean, I, I'm asking the question, what does that look like? Because when people come back with questions like, well, really, am, am I going to go to heaven? Am I not? Um, <sighs> what do we say? Right. And how do we look at it? I mean, for me, as you know, I mean, I've, I've made my peace with all the Abrahamic faiths and I'm making my peace with other faiths as well. Um, watching this series. Um, well, first of all, American Gods, if you haven't seen it, man, the new series, series uh, season two is out. I have another podcast with my boy, J.R. Forresteros and uh, Kate Sanchez, who've both been on the show. Oh, my Wednesday. Go check it out. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, the whole night. So you can go check that out. Um, oh, my Wednesday. So we, we analyze American guys. Amazing. And I've also been watching uh, the Morgan Freeman. Um, what I, think, I think it's called uh, Finding God or something. It's something with God, but it's Morgan Freeman. I think it's on the Nat Geo uh, channel, but you can find him, I think, online somewhere. And he's just, you know, he's just going around looking at how people engage with God, the the, the divinity. It's a, it's a very, it's a very interesting show about how, how folks around the world see God or God's death, life after death, um, and who can be a God, who can't be a God. Um, I, I find all those things very fascinating. And so um, I I don't want to get too much on a tangent, but it's I think as I'm looking at things, I'm just like, huh, okay. Remember, Jesus himself was a Jew. If you look prior to Jesus, right, those folks, I mean, there's a whole bunch of mess in there, right? If we're only going to be like Christians are the only ones that are going to be saved and even that language, right? Saved and they're going to be in heaven and that's it. Well, then prior to Christ, you, we're going to have some major problems. So, and all of you scholars out there who study the word, I mean, you guys know that already or y'all know that already. So when we think about evangelism going out, the Great Commission yeah, what's that really look like? And that's I'm I'm actually going to be putting a show together on that. So just you know, hold on to your seat, and uh, we'll we'll get that together. I'm going to get some good guests for that. My point in saying all that is that I think what gets me about Christians the most, and I'm so tired of Christianese language, and so tired oftentimes of just Christian culture, because it it wears me out, y'all. And then when you add race and intersectionality. It gets me that Christians are so damn fucking scared of everything. We're trying to get this this minor passed through at my school, gender studies. Brand new, revamped, students have been asking for it, and it's amazing. Deals with intersectionality the whole nine, right? Looking at, you know, author, primarily authors of color in the readings the whole nine, right? And the first thing that comes out is... Why aren't you teaching a biblical understanding of gender? Now, what the fuck is that, man? Now, seriously, I mean, 
if we're really going to go there, like, really, so a biblical understanding of gender, which one? What are you talking about? You know, and this is, you know, entered this whole, you know, of course, this discussion about, you know, are we teaching the Bible at this school? And, you know, people who have problems with, you know, students, you know, uh, are learning from this. And, and, and that's all code. Those are all dog whistles for something else. Right. It's like, I don't want to hear your feminism. I don't want to hear anything that has to do with liberalism because that stuff's of the devil. And we are a Christian school and we do not. Right. We do not deal with things outside of whatever's in this box of religion. We don't deal with anything outside of that. I'm straight up, man. And this stuff right here wears me out. The fear that exists in people's minds. I'm sure there's probably somebody listening to this right now saying, oh, my goodness. You know, just trying to get ammunition. <laughs> right. The fear. And then what do we do? We just cut it out. Well, I don't want that. I don't want that. If we could be honest and just say this is a close knit club. This is what we signed to do. Uh, we really only see things one way. And if you don't want to see it that way, then you're out. Um, but no, we want to say we're open and we want, we're open-minded. We want to have give students a very wide education, just so long as it falls within my understanding of what Christianity is. Um, and the fear, I keep coming back to that, y'all, of I don't want to engage. I don't even want to deal with that. And so that's, that, y'all, it's on my last nerve right now. And... I'm trying not to project too much because I know there's a lot going on just, just in my own life and, um, and, and, and whatnot. So I'm not, I don't want to project and put it all out there, but I do know that there are some areas that just drive me nuts and just wear me out between the racism, the fear. Uh, we don't want to deal with this. I mean, it's this, it's the old school version of Christ against culture, right? The old Niberian paradigm of engagement with culture. It's this Christ against culture. Everything out there is, is to be afraid. You just, you know, you're, you got to avoid it. Let's, let's, let's just, let's just not even engage with it whatsoever because that is of the devil. I'm like, man, how big is your God or how small does your God really have to be for you to be that scared? That scared that you can't even even to say like somebody asked me like, oh, well, you know, what if we had a real an ultra conservative come and speak on campus? I would say, great. I would send my students to it. I might not agree with them. I may critique them, but bring them. Let's bring them. Let's get them out here. Let's have that discussion let's show the students different perspectives if we consider ourselves an actual university by definition that means that we give a palette of thought and you allow the person to formulate those thoughts and to gather their own information and to actually step forward and then put something else on the table as we build knowledge that's how i look at different aspects of pedagogy particularly in the classroom but no, we got to know. No, we can only see this one, the biblical version. I get pissed and tired all the time when somebody, especially when somebody says to me, what is your biblical understanding? Which brings me to this email. Because somebody, if you, uh, I don't even know when they did it. You know what I'm saying? Somebody who's listening to the show was just a once-off said, I listened to your show. Tell me your biblical understanding of, uh, of marriage and sexuality. I'm like, you know what? You can go to hell with that. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't answering that shit right there. And because it's it's already coming at it. And I'm and like, first of all, if you don't even know where I stand, if you haven't read my stuff, check the annals. I am not here to educate you. 
in 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 that sense i put out material i put out free stuff i put out books um i have a i have this podcast i have multiple podcasts right i'm not i've come to me educated i am not the one to come here and sit and handhold you in your life that's that's google there's google out there go on out there and figure that shit out so i ain't gonna engage in that i'm just not I'm just not. I'm tired. It's draining. It's it is soul draining. It's the same thing I tell with white folks. I cannot be your black friend. I cannot be the only black source that you have in your life. I just can't. You're gonna have to go out and find that on your own. You're gonna have to find other white folks and learn from them. You can't I can't be your crutch. So this email came through and I was like, whoa, I gotta read this on the air. And the person who wrote it said, yes, by all means. You got it. And basically, it was about last week's conversation. So, again, if you're listening to this in real time, last week we had Perry Marshall uh, on talking about Evolution 2.0. Um, and I, you know, as, as every week I do, I try to invite folks like, hey, you know, if you got, you think it's something, drop us a line. Drop us a line. You know, this is, this is like, I, like I've said before, no one is above critique. But the energy that came with this email, the, it felt like it just, from the jump, from me opening it, it just felt different. Um, starts off with, I really enjoy your conversation, but this week for me, for the first time ever, I can't give it a five, five rating. Perry doesn't enter the conversation, but tries to solve it. He insists on his credentials because he has read over 200 books and has an EE degree. I appreciate his efforts, but the whole attitude of the $5 million prize saying Dawkins right tracks for atheism, uh, and so many uh, comments is just not the way I expect your guests to, to present themselves. Honestly, I was disappointed in you for letting him get away was going unchallenged in both style and content. His exposition of the scriptures is suspect. His comparison to creation to the code from a computer game is interesting, but hardly the definitive word. Ultimately, his, he has some cool things to say, but his attitude is very much, I am going to settle this once and for all. Given your usual insights, I'm surprised that you let him skate. I am disgusted by what seems to me to be a white colonial mindset. Further, his disdain for any other ideas came through alarmingly. Now, this got me i was i was eating up every word and here's why i know for some folks it'd be you know it was the way this email came through that i took it as uh huh those are some good points i probably should have now context for this show i because i've gotten it from other friends of mine or associates of mine who say man how come you always have people that lean liberal man you need to be having debates on that well first of all don't tell me how to run my goddamn show. <laughs> and second of all, that whole energy you come in with right now that you that you be trying to you know uh, 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 put on me, I rebuke it <laughs> straight up. And I'm letting you know right now that this show is not a debate show. I didn't want it to be from the jump. I don't want to be by the, the my listenership uh, doesn't expect that we expect conversations. Now I'll ask questions and 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 help you know bring out some of the things. But this is not a show designed to go in on guests and tell them how wrong they are. I, that's just not me in general. I don't like doing that. Now don't get me wrong. I'll critique. I'll engage in dialogue. I'll engage in passionate dialogue. But I ain't gonna try to tear somebody down. Nah, man. But again, this email didn't come in any of that spirit. You know, um, this person goes on uh, to talk about, you know, they're in seminary and they have a whole thing on uh, advancement of science and religion. Uh, I don't know if the arrogance is race based, coming from this conservative background where typically anyone's good. But, you know, it was just like, look, you just didn't fit your usual ethic. And I just thought I'd drop you a line. My response was just like, yo, thank you so much for reaching out and sending this email. I really do appreciate the insight and feedback. Thank you. 
It is it is a it is a great thing about hosting this podcast. So I do welcome the critique and insight. And so I give them the context, which I just shared with you guys. And then I just said, man, this is this is great. I probably should have said a few more things. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. I think some of the things that, you know, Perry is saying is, is very interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm engaged. I'm enthralled with that. Um, but sure. I can ask some better questions. And this, that was the way I received it. Of course, this person responded, was like, man, this is great. And we're having an amazing conversation um, online as it pertains to, um, you know, the show. I, I, and I asked if I could play that simply because I thought that this is exactly the type of conversations that I have been wanting to engage it. And I don't want to say it's like, oh, you know, he, he went in. No, he didn't. He just, he, this the the person who wrote this it particularly just said look this is what happened this was my observation take it or leave it i love your show uh, you know it was just something that i noticed and that was the spirit i received in it and that was how it, and, and then and that is how it was took i think this is important particularly because we live in such a divisive society now i'm not trying to go to come off and say oh we just all need to do this but this is a great example of exactly what i'm talking about when it comes to giving insight feedback um, and this person didn't want to, you know, name it, label it as critique. I'll say critique just because that's some of the language that I use. I don't look at critique in a negative way, uh, per se. And I'm not saying the listener did either, but simply to say that this was good insight. And yes, I could have improved on that. I could have. And I wanted to share with y'all to let you know that these are the type of conversations that I am engaged with. And I think this is important as we move forward in dialogue. We don't all have to agree to get along. Okay. We don't all have to think the same exact way to get along. We are going to disagree with each other. That's just part of being in a relationship. Just like I tell all my students in interpersonal communication uh, and group communication. Like, look, conflict builds relationships. Okay? Because that's when I get to see where, where we really at. What is this relationship about? Where do we stand? How do you, how do, you do conflict? Are you dirty? Do you want to, you know, do you shoot for the, you know, below the belt? You know, are you passive about it? I want to know. And, and, and vice versa about me. How do, how do you perceive me? How do I, I do conflict? Conflict grows relationships. The right conflict. Not just drama for drama, right? But the right conflicts. And so this was a great uh, email in that it, it, it helped bring up some good issues and some good points um, and also just spurred a dialogue, an ongoing dialogue. So I appreciate it. Listener, thank you so much. And for those of you, again, just, you know, send a brother an email. But again, I ain't going to be answering the, you know, just the binary. Like, what do you believe? Is sin right or is it wrong? Uh, you need to go somewhere with that, with your tired self, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're teaching biblical understandings of, of gender and penises. Um, yeah, again, you need to go, you need to go somewhere with that shit right there. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, uh, but this cat came correct and, uh, I appreciated that. And it's just something that I have continued to admire again about this show and the listenership that, that, uh, that listens. So that was good. That transitioned, of course, uh, into the college scandal. Oh my goodness. What in the literal hell is going on with that um yeah it uh, i got so much to say 
Let me, um, as we transition into that in particularly, um, because this is good to bring up, I mean, this brings up a lot of conversation around, um, you know, this particular topic. So here, check this clip out. I want to let y'all, you know, hear this uh, little video uh, about college admission scandals. It's, it's an extreme version of the system that favors the wealthy. Um, and particularly as it pertains uh, especially to higher ed, um, because higher ed has been such an elitist environment for so long, um, you know, and so you still have the big schools that are name recognition and predominantly white, run by whites. So it raises a lot of those questions, right, of nepotism and elitism and, you know, meritocracy, right? The best get in, right? The best, the, only the grades matter. Um, no, no, we got all the, must be the paychecks. They matter too, I, you know, because I always say what we kneel down to as a religion in this country a lot uh, is money, right, um, and fame, celebrityism. Those two right there are chief gods. They are in charge of a lot of shit. And you can say, oh, God is my identity. Right. But the lights came on because why? <laughs> no, somebody paying the bill, brah. So, you know, it, it just gets at a lot of stuff. I let me cover some of the stuff after this clip. Check this out. Are college admissions meritocratic? Sometimes they are, but not always. The college admission system uh, too often perpetuates an aristocracy of wealth and celebrity and power. This case has even broader ramifications beyond the world of college admissions. It, it also says something about income inequality in America and how uh, the, the country is so stratified that we have an ever-growing number of extremely wealthy people who apparently uh, want to spend that money on shoehorning their underqualified children into elite colleges. And uh, at the same time, of course, we have many middle class and working class people who, who couldn't afford or even dream of spending this kind of money. And they uh, still believe in the American dream and equal opportunity and upward mobility. And they encourage their children to work hard and achieve academically and uh, gain college admission the old-fashioned way. The admission system is really a crazy quilt of preferences for various groups of applicants, and most of these preferences favor the rich. There's legacy preference for alumni children. There's development preference for children of parents who are not alumni but are wealthy and are likely to donate large sums. There's athletic preference, which in general uh, helps white and well-off students who play relatively obscure sports like polo, crew, equestrian events, and sailing. And there's still more preferences like those for the children of faculty and administrators at universities. The wealthy often use uh, private college counselors rather than the traditional high school guidance counselor. And the private counselor is often a conduit for donations or notifies the institution that the family is prepared to be philanthropic if the child is accepted. But this college counselor apparently went way beyond that to paying uh, illegal bribes. Since I began writing about this issue uh, 15 years ago, the number of these private counselors for the rich has gone up by leaps and bounds. And 
These people are not licensed or regulated. They don't have to answer to a school administration the way a guidance counselor at a typical high school would. And they have every incentive to get their clients' children into college by any means available. So the, the use of these private college counselors is a disturbing trend. And the guy at the center of this case, uh, Rick Singer, may not be the only one taking it too far. There are a lot of advantages for rich people that make it an uneven playing field. And what this uh, scheme did was exploit that to the hill. All right. So interesting stuff, right? Um, so these are a lot of things that we've been like, well, most of you who've been woke for, or just even alive for the last, you know, 20 years, I already know that, you know, the system of privilege, the system of wealth has something to be reckoned with uh, in this country. It is powerful. It is something that, again, money, money speaks and bullshit walks. That's the old saying, right? I mean, it is something that you cannot overlook. You cannot just snidely say, oh, well, the best person. No, when I've taught at R1 universities uh, and, 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 and well, in D1, so these are, you know, like Division One schools, like these, so these are like the big college, you know, NCAA and uh, that play these games and whatnot, whether it be football or basketball or all of them, all the above. Um, you know, I have had coaches and I have had people come and say, look, you know, can this student pass along? And, you know, this, you know, and it comes down to money. Well, they paid for the library or, well, you know, their, their parents covered this and stuff. And I'm just, I'm, and you know, when you see that up front, it takes a second, but yo, I mean, the constant berating that people of color, students of color have gotten. I remember the first, this was probably my second semester teaching, um, a young professor. I haven't even completed my PhD yet. And a white student, white male student was just like, man, I have trouble, you know, sitting in this class here for you, with you and respecting you because I can't think of, you know, about the eight, seven other white guys that got passed up for them to hire you. Right? Just bold. <laughs> bold. Just bold as the wind, right? So I was just like, you know, we ended up having a conversation, but that is the myth that has been given to a lot of white people that, you know, oh, black folks, they don't deserve to be here. Mexican folks, they don't belong to be here. None of the Latinx folks belong. They were given handouts. When in reality, I've got to work five, 10, sometimes 20 times harder than the next person, especially than a mediocre white guy. Think about that. These kids weren't like bright. That's the other thing. These students were, you know, this also the money is giving them, you know, the, the edge up and stuff. So I got that's what I'm competing against. So I can get A's and everything else, but that's what I'm competing against. Right? Mediocrity. I am competing against uh lazy ass folks that have been handed everything in life. That's what I'm competing against. Not even the best and the brightest. But yet I have to outwork them, out talk them, out assignment them, out merit them, out in, in the academy, I have to outpublish outright you know what i'm saying and somebody i mean you know some some old white guy was just like oh my gosh you're going to be a full professor and you're not even 50 like you goddamn straight you damn straight and i earned every fucking letter of that title too none of this shit was given right and you hear that all the time oh my parents you know they were white and they came to this country yo man i don't want to hear that noise 
I don't want to hear it because at the end of the day, when you look at the wealth stratification that is that 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 is occurring in this country right now, I mean, I don't even want to get into the hardcore statistics, but anyone again, you can just Google this stuff. Look up at the at the wealth differences between just black and white, not even Latinx. There is a major growing gap. Of course, you can accumulate everything up and, you know, put it all together and try to say, well, um, you know, uh, you know, the well, the one percent is growing. Sure. But white families, white middle class families, upper middle class families, where they are light years ahead of me. Light years. I have created something that I've had to work hard for and it can be taken away in a second. I'm mortgaging my house. I don't own it. OK. I'm I'm saddled to a paycheck to paycheck. And sure, of course, you do you do what you can to try to save up, but psh, brakes last week went out in my car. That's six hundred dollars. Okay? You know the deal? And I still gotta get four new tires for my other car. That's gonna be another five hundred bucks. So here's the thing, right? And, and and that and that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, because again, money talks and bullshit walks. And I think about this stuff and I, it just, it burns me up. It burns me up. You know, there were folks in, you know, when I went back to school in my mid twenties, um, cause you know, if you know me, I didn't go to school right out or college. I didn't go to college right out of high school. Um, and you know, people just looking at me like, mm, affirmative action, you know, I just straight up, just, you know, just straight up. Like, mm, you here cause affirmative action and like, really, that's what you believe, huh? Okay, well, let's let's uh, you know that old game, Big Bang Tank, Little Bank. Let's um, let's take Big GPA, take Little GPA. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We'll see who's summa cum laude. But that is the that is the ongoing pressure and 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 the stress that exists for ethnic minority students, especially when you're the only one, especially when you're you know standing in front of a classroom, especially when you're you know a faculty member, one of what six that are on on a staff right that are standing in front of students who still think you got there because somebody gave you something and here this thing is blown out to pieces and stuff you know and i'm like i ain't gonna be feeling bad for these fools people are like oh well you know no ah, hell no and they're like oh Lori lofton you know she lost all this work man she gonna be just fucking fine a white woman in this country, she's going to be fine. Give her about a couple years. We'll we'll forget all about that shit. Right? Shoot, we can forgive Elvis. Right? He is a 25-year-old, you know, dating a 14-year-old and giving her a little drugs. Y'all y'all know about that, right? Well, people love Elvis. That, like, ah, that, didn't, that didn't really matter. Rob Lowe, back in the 80s, right? Caught with young women and you get, it was videotaped and everything, right? Oh, he's good now. He's, he's talk show. You know, he's morally upstanding. He's paid his debt to society. Oh, Lord. Yeah. You know, and and I think about the amount of black students and I say black, not just to, to exclude anyone else, but particularly uh, since I am black and I had to deal with this particular issue. Um, I, I say that because so oftentimes we're looked at as a commodity, uh, especially for sports. You know, and you think about the private Christian world, private Christian college world, um, sports is a big thing. I mean, half the diversity for the schools most of the time uh, coming through the athletic program. And when I say athletic program, I really mean basketball and football. All right. We ain't talking about any other stuff. 
Um, and that's a catch-22 because if you got somebody coming to say, we'll pay your whole way if you come play ball, a lot of these cats are going to play football and going to play somewhere because they're supporting their family. And their family has put hope in the college system so that they could actually come back and help them and move along, right? Because we've been so generationally deprived of being admitted into the circles, the social circles, the educational circles, the religious circles that have been so hallowed in this country for so long. And we still find that this stuff is going on. Can, now, can you imagine if the shoe was on the other foot if this was all black students? Because you know the students are being still allowed to be kept in school. Y'all know that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, cheating in my class... If it's your first offense, that's an F on that assignment. Make case get you to flunk the class. But the second time, now we're talking about like, we're going to kick you around. This is, for me, this is the tantamount of that. You're, cheating, you're just cheating in a different way, right? I'll give you $500,000 if you, you know, you just overlook this. Oh, man. Y'all, this is some stuff. This is some stuff. Another article talked about, you know, college admissions consulting was booming well before the bribery scandal and, you know, goes into talking about, you know, just why uh, this was, you know, the why this was happening and whatnot. Y'all, this is, like I said, this is some crazy, crazy shit. And I, as an educator, I, I see a lot of this. I remember when one of the schools I taught at when I was in Southern California, you know, they already gave faculty members, you know, barely any parking spots. And I remember I used to see students there parking all the time and I was pissed. I was like, come on, man, I'm trying to get to class. Um, you know, and I would call security and be like, hey, man, this is, you know, this person don't belong in this lot. And I don't mean to be all that, but I'm just like, dude, we, you know, we got 10 spots. So let me, you know, let me at least park. I don't have to park four miles away from campus. And I remember students being like, ah, you know, I'll park wherever I want because, you know, they can give me a ticket. It don't really matter because, you know, I just send it back home to mom and dad. Right. Stuff like that. You know, you show up to school with a brand new, you know, fully decked out uh, Range Rover. Right. Freshman year. Right. And so, again, and it's be one thing if we could be like that, if we could look at that and be like, all right, if the person could be like, look, I, I don't deserve any of this stuff. And low, yo. But it's like those people who've got that privilege always got some damn advice for the folks who are struggling along. Hey, man, you just got to work hard, man. You know, I don't know. You know, everybody gets an equal chance in this country. So shit like that. So this scandal here, man, it just it it rocks me. And I, and I know there's more to come. I mean, this is just the this is just the tip of the iceberg, y'all. You know, when you think about that, I mean, I, I am also interested as as a researcher, like how does race affect grading? I heard enough anecdotal um instances where black students were marked down right uh they were caught and people were like oh well you know i just assumed this or say you know and they kind of coughed it up but i'm curious like well where else is that happening you show up in that classroom and then the other question is is once you do graduate what are the chances of you landing a decent and good job if you ain't got those connections right if you ain't got those hookups I don't know. These are some things that I'm pondering, y'all. I, you know, and I'm wondering. I, I, I truly believe education, the way we look at it right now, is going to be changing in the next decade. I think a lot is going to be changing in the next decade, much like climate. 2028, 2029, we're going to see some major, major changes um, just with the way we do life. We can't keep going the way we've been going. Uh, we just can't. 
and I'm not a doomsday, like, oh, it's going to end, but it's going to change significantly. And, and education will be one of those. We live in what I like to call the Yelp generation, um, which, you know, everything's ratings, right? If I don't like this, I'll just go and rate it. I don't, and you know, and people listen. I don't like this. I'm going to go get online and I'm going to tell people, I'm going to tell you, you know, what I think. And if I can get enough people, if I have a big enough platform, I can get people wooed one way to go, you know. Um, and then when you think about the highly competitive nature of uh, uh, college admissions right now, it's, it's, it's a business. It's about numbers because there are fewer college students to pick from. All right. People are not having as many kids as they once did. Um, and so that that and that started around 2011, 2012. We started to see a decline in the amount of college age ready folks. And it's just been declining ever since. So now colleges are fighting over literally uh, scraps. And then you have for profit um, or and nonprofit for that matter. Um, for example, I think it's called the University of New Hampshire. You probably see commercials for it all the time. Um, they got like what? Some 200,000 students. Two, three hundred thousand students and their goal next year is to get another hundred thousand students. Now, that's on the East Coast. But think about all the East Coast schools and not just the big ones. Yale, Penn, uh, Princeton. Well, I don't know. But anyway, all the, you know, Duke, all those places. Those are not necessarily going to be affected. I remember I talked to a person one time when I was at USC and they said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. We don't have to admit another student for another 25 years and we're going to be just fine. <laughs> we're going to be just fine. Right. Oh, man. Places like USC, man, they own a lot. If you in Southern California, you already know. You go down to USC, man, they they, they own that whole, you know, whole lot. And they're the ones who helped, you know, after, particularly after the uprisings in 92, they were the ones who helped finish the, the 110 freeway to get it elevated and to shut off a lot of the exits along there so that when this happened again, this is literally, that was all in the LA Times, when this happened again, we can at least have some kind of protection. That's a whole nother story. But again, money. But man, I tell you, um, yeah, this is a rating society. So a lot of students are turning to that. It's it's about ratings. It's about you know how you uh, perceive someone, and if you don't like it, if it's, it doesn't meet your quality or your standard or what you've been told it should be, then I'm just gonna rate it and and move on. Yeah. Well, that brings us to this last segment. Um, that's good. Good little transition into the shootings that happened. Um, as I was telling my wife, this this shooting, it's not just a shooting. That's bad. That's real bad. 49 people. Oh, my gosh. But this shooting actually evokes all the bad stuff that is wrong <laughs> with our society today. Here's another clip. Check this out. Um, this will be a good little segue into uh, this next little bit. We want to get right to that breaking news, an anti-Muslim terror attack in New Zealand. The prime minister there is calling it one of the nation's darkest days. A gunman attacked two mosques while hundreds of Muslims were praying. The man who is claiming responsibility and charged with murder is an extreme right-wing white supremacist who live-streamed the attack, saying it was aimed at immigrants. Security stepping up here in the U.S. That's a live look at the Islamic Cultural Center right here in New York City. So here's what we know right now. At least 49 people were killed, 48 more wounded, multiple IEDs discovered attached to vehicles, and three people are now in custody. Our senior foreign correspondent Ian Panel starts us off with the very latest. Horrific scenes in a normally peaceful country playing out at two mosques in Christchurch, 
As worshippers were at midday prayers, the holiest of the week, multiple people ruthlessly gunned down. At 1.42pm local time, witnesses say a man dressed all in black entered the Masjid al-Nur mosque, shooting an automatic weapon. People were running out. I saw some people had blood on their body and some people were limping. This man, seen with blood on his shirt, was the last to escape hiding under a bench. And, you know, he just came in, he was shooting, and I'm thinking that, you know, if I get out, I'll get shot, so I better, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed so I could be alive. But, yeah, you know, I was the last guy to come out of the mosque after the shooting stopped. And on the doors, there were a lot of bodies. The killer then drove three miles across town to the Limwood Mosque, where he opened fire again. Armed police closed in on the scene, searching cars for suspects, guns drawn. Police ramming a suspect's car, and then you can see him being taken into custody beside the vehicle. Two men and a woman now in custody in connection to the attacks. The shooter, who appears to have been from Australia, is linked to a 74-page manifesto filled with white supremacist rhetoric. He's charged with murder. Police also saying they defused two improvised explosive devices that were found on a vehicle after the shootings. Amidst the chaos, police officials now warning people to stay away from any mosque in New Zealand for now, in case of further violence. I want to ask anyone that was thinking of going to a mosque anywhere in New Zealand today not to go, to close your doors until you hear from us again. Ambulances rushing victim after victim to hospitals as bystanders help the wounded. We pulled up and I opened up my driver's door and um, got out and we pulled him round behind and then opened up the back as well, give us some protection. I'm 66 and never thought in my life I'd love to see something like this. Overnight, New Zealand's Prime Minister condemning this terrorist attack. This is one of New Zealand's darkest days. Clearly what has happened here is an extraordinary and unprecedented act of violence. All right. So, um, crazy, man. Crazy. Um, a few things here. I know our time is not. Hey, um, but this, this got me one. This was live stream, right? This was live stream. And this was something that uh, was watched by a lot of folks and then was downloaded. I think it was up for what about ten hours before, you know, social media outlets, um, you know, started to, you know, particularly Facebook and Instagram and um, Twitter, you know, before they started taking stuff down. But it's like, you know, as one article said, it's like playing a, a game of whack-a-mole, right? You know, you 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 know, you stop one out and then the next one pops up over here. Here's another one popping up, right? That's the first thing, right? That we uh, that we that the the live streaming effect. And I'm not against like technology, y'all know that. But the dark side of it is this, right? This is the dark side. You got somebody, you know, and the, and the, and the ongoing folks that, you know, that, that like that stuff. This person also talked about how he was influenced by Trump and how he was influenced by uh, uh, white supremacism, white nationalism. And I, and I appreciate what, you know, the uh, prime minister there was trying to say, but this is not unprecedented. And, you know, that type of language for me is just like, no, no, let's call this what it is. This is an this is an ongoing thing. Right. And the the, the white supremacy that we ship out from this country, um, y'all, it. Yeah, it's for real. 
this is for real, man. This stuff is like popping everywhere. This isn't just here in the United States. This is in other places. I mean, so this cat was ready to rock and roll, you know, and I always say, well, interesting that, you know, they took this cat alive. Um, and granted, I know that New Zealand's a different environment. I mean, I, they don't carry guns on their person, um, which is always interesting, right? I wonder if that were the case here. That'll never happen here, at least not in my lifetime. Um, but, you know, this was, yeah, I... I Again, it wasn't just the shooting, but it was the, the inspiration for it. The fact that, you know, he calls out, you know, in fact, he even says, you know, go to PewDiePie's channel. And if those of you don't know, PewDiePie is he's the, you know, most subscribed to the biggest YouTuber uh, that's existed to date. And uh, I am not a fan of him. Uh, I think he is an arrogant little prick. I mean, I'm just going to say it straight up. Um, uh, he is, you know, talked about Nazi stuff, burning Jews. Uh, he said nigger. I mean, he'll say he's used the N-word. And then, of course, all his friends are, oh, but that's not what it means. You know, it's not what it means. No, he didn't mean it that way. But he's been given this platform that he really doesn't know what to do with. And and at the, at the same time, it's very unapologetic for his own shit that he's dealing with, right? Um, and... That goes on to say, right, with the, the idea of celebrityism, right? And, of course, he tried to, you know, tweet out. I'm like, oh, I feel so sorry for this. And, of course, best wishes and sending love and thoughts to the victims' families. I'm like, dude, uh-uh. I don't believe that shit. Not for a minute. In fact, I even told my daughter. We had a whole discussion about this because I know she used to follow PewDiePie. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, no, this dude is, is a genuine grade-A asshole. Straight up. Um, and not and, and again, this isn't every YouTuber. There's some good YouTubers that are out there uh, that have major platforms. But I just I I am questioning, you know, what as as a researcher, I'm trying to figure out what is the effect of this, particularly with white nationalism, particularly with folks who have this, you know, millions of a platform that can influence people to do things that and and the subscribers that continue watching this, right? Like first talk of Nazism, I'm like I'm out. Peace. I'm good, bruh. But folks was like, ah, that's not what he meant. You know, nah, 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 nah. That's, you know, he wasn't really saying that. He was just, he was just talking about, um, you know, I don't know what he was talking about. You know, and I get it. For some folks, they were just like, well, look, he's just trying to get ratings. And he got his ratings. He got his likes. He got his videos. This is what he does to get paid. There's some ethics I then I have to question then with you on that. Going back to this cat. So he's, he's telling, go to PewDiePie's channel. You're going to know, you know, you go see what's up. Um... And of course, people are like, no, no, this is not what PewDiePie is doing. And it's not just PewDiePie. I ain't talking about him. I'm talking about the growth of multimedia. Think about this. We have all these little tricks and functions that these social media outlets can do. But yet we still haven't figured out how to just stop a viral video. That's this bad. The algorithms haven't figured out how to really just get rid of that. Facebook's been brought up on more stuff right now. You got the, the, the cat next to uh, Zuckerberg, you know, resigning this week and stuff, man. So more stuff is going on. Like, you know, if you when you once you see him leaving, right, because the rats, they just start to leave. <laughs> They're like, man, I'm out. I'm out. There's something deeper going on here. And Zuckerberg's still trying to save Facebook. Um, there are days and I know I'm going to sound like a technological Luddite. There are days when I just feel like, man, I just got to shut this shit off. And I love the, you know, the technology. I mean, look, I'm telling you to go subscribe on, on Spotify, but I struggle, y'all. I'm just going to admit it. I struggle with the the amount of, of stuff that happens online. 
I've I've had the the fortune or misfortune, depending on how you see it, um, of sitting next to folks at their moment of death, and I can tell you, it's no one is trying to check their Facebook page and their likes at that moment. No one is trying to check and see how many subscribers they have in that moment. No one is trying to see the algorithms of the demographics of people subscribing to their feed in that moment. And I get that's an extreme view. I know that that's, you know, I don't want to um, build an either or case, a straw hat argument upon, you know, upon, you know, at death, of course. But I'm asking myself, what is the significance of that? And as a person who grew up in an era without the Internet, without Wi-Fi on every corner, I'm asking myself, what does it look like to go back to that? Because, again, this brings out the white supremacy that's growing, that continues to grow, white nationalism, Trumpism, you know, and Trump tries to play off like he doesn't, you know, he's, oh, I condemn that. No, you don't, dude. We already know. We already know your time. We already know what's up. We already know what's going on. Please stop. Okay. It brings up the issue of social media, right? Like, what is that even, you know, what's the, you know, what's the next big like? What's trending right now? Um, the fact that we're glued to a lot of devices, I don't know, y'all. It just, it just, it struck me that I believe this is starting, setting a new precedent. It, it, it really is. Like, I'm just going to go and I'm going to, you know, strap a GoPro camera to me and stream this whole thing. Because I know it's going to go viral. I know it's, I know, and all people go to watch this. Even, even if it's just a rubbernecker. I mean, think about when you see an accident on the highway, right? There are accidents that happen because people are watching the accident that just happened. So I am a little shook. And still trying to get my head around that. Um, but, you know, we continue to allow that type of stuff here in the U.S. And so it's just a matter of time before it happens again. Um, I was in the uh, Mall of America, right? My in-laws live in, in Minneapolis. And, um, you know, there was a couple of strange looking white dudes up in there. And I'm just like, mm, what's going on? I got to throw this trash can at you, man. Um, but I think about that stuff because I know that I'm going to be the prime target. Um. You know, and that goes back to like gun ownership and whatnot. It's like, is it is it worth it? Is it something that we need? I know there's an argument on both sides of, you know, particularly of, of people of color having weapons, you know, to, to to defend themselves. So these are all things that are the musings of my mind as I think about where we're at in 2019. And so thanks for hanging in there. I appreciate it. Um Next week, it'll be back to your regularly scheduled program, but I felt like this week we just needed to cover, I needed to cover some ground and rant a little bit uh, about what's going on in our world. But uh, thanks for listening. For those of you subscribing, again, I appreciate you. And as I, you know, as I always say, whitehedgepodcast.com's got everything, um, or you can go to whitehedge.com, drop us a line. Um, Stay safe, y'all. I'll catch you on the flip side.